This evening's scripture reading is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command, they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. Boa noite. Come on, there's got to be some Portuguese speakers out there. Yes, boa noite. Boa noite. Good evening. Good evening. It's such a privilege to be here with you this week. It's my first Keswick Convention. Hopefully it won't be my last. And we've got this amazing psalm to look at today. Now, you know the expression, I drew the short straw or stick. I'm not sure what they say. Anyway, can you say the opposite? I drew the long stick. So far this week, I kind of feel like I drew the, the long one. We've heard the call to Israel to sing for joy, only then to learn of their hardness of heart and their wandering in the desert. We've heard of David's sin and his attempt to hide it from God. We've heard of being so broken, so afraid that we wonder if we can even make it through the day. But then comes the promise that we are held by God. Through Jesus, we're given the power to be made children of God, and we rest in that knowledge that God is near, gathering our tears and writing our names on his heart. Amazing psalms we've walked through so far this week. So maybe we all got the long stick. But after this zigzaggy journey, as Paul told us yesterday, we're drawn to the end of the Psalter tonight. 
and to the in these last five psalms of this amazing collection all of them all these last five begin with praise the lord praise the lord psalm 148 that we've just heard Alistair read for us is kind of like if this band if one band member tried to play the keys, the drums, the electric guitar, even the saxophone that we've heard on other nights, tried to play it all at once. This is an extraordinary song that calls all of creation to worship the Lord in humble gratitude. It's a song that echoes God's words of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, and we'll get to those later. Imagine... For a moment, look up for those of you that are in the tent. Imagine if the great British landscape artist, William Turner, painted the stories of creation onto a canvas the size of this tent. The angels, the heavens, the earth and the seas below, creatures of the earth, Sea turtles and dolphins and whales and cedar trees and pines, mountains and rivers. And then all of them were brought to life like an animated musical and shouted in unison, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Praise the Lord, all you creatures. What does thunder sound like when it praises God? What tremor of the earth might we feel if all the world praised the Lord at once? I think that's a little taste of what we have in this amazing psalm. All of creation in praiseworthy gratitude to God. If yesterday's psalm brought us close into David's suffering, then today's psalm gives a wide-angle view of creation as the theater of God's praise and the contexts for our thankfulness to him. God not only creates, he also sustains this creation. But there's more to this psalm than praise. The book of Psalms as a whole craftfully articulates both sides of a conversation. Israel's speech to God and God's voice to God's people. From the human side, the Psalms express the huge range of human emotion. The Psalms give voice to, as one author said, all the seasons of life, from unspeakable anger and doubt to joyous, even outrageous praise and thanksgiving. And from God's side, the Psalms are also the voice of the gospel. God's word for God's people, our entire life and all of creation is drawn under God's rule. Psalm 148 reminds us of that rule, of God's providential care for his creation and of our place in it. This psalm is a powerful tool for a people called to be a missionary people. 
a tool for a community that witnesses to the fullness of life that we have been given in Christ Jesus. Our tendency is often to pick and choose our favorite psalms, to find comfort and sometimes, if we're honest, a bit of shallow spirituality in these ancient songs. But these are radical words, words of the gospel, God's words that help shape and nurture our lives of discipleship and the character of our witness. If we look more closely at this huge canvas that has been painted for us by the, by the psalmist, we don't have to be overwhelmed by it. We can learn together how these words articulate the grateful attitude that we must have towards God and the challenge that it gives us to share that good news with others. So look at the text, if you have it on your phone or in your Bible. Psalm 148 opens and closes with the words, praise the Lord, and it repeats this cry over and over and over again. Praise appears at least a dozen times in these few verses. Why? Remember Jesus' parable of the banquet feast? So many are invited, but they don't turn up. So the host sends out his servants to call those in the alleyways, on the streets. Come, come to the celebration. That's a little of what we've got going on here. Come, everyone, every single creature. Come, praise the Lord. This psalm is our reorientation into what life looks like under God's reign. There are two parts to the psalm. You've heard when it was read, and they follow the same pattern. The first set, verses 1 to 6, and the second set, verses 7 to 14. The pattern is this. First, there's the call to praise, the summons, the imperative. This is a command, an order. You and you and you praise the Lord. After the imperative, we have the reason for our praise. Praise the Lord because dot, dot, dot. Why do you praise the Lord? Why do you praise the Lord? In the first part, that first set, the summons to praise the Lord focuses on the heavenly realms and all the beings that inhabit that part of God's creation. The angels, the heavenly hosts, sun, moon, and stars, This heavenly choir even includes the highest heavens and something like the waters above the heavens. Have you seen those images recently released from the the James Webb Space Telescope thing? It was just in the news uh, a few weeks ago. Stunning pictures of a universe far, far away. Those distant universes were also created by God and are now summoned to praise their creator. Let them all praise the Lord. And why should they praise him? We're told at the end of verse 5 and verse 6. Let them praise the Lord because at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Verse 6. 
We are grateful not just because God created us, but because he sustains us. We are in his hands, just as the sun and the moon are in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. So let's just praise the Lord. In the second part, the camera shifts from the heavens to the earth and seas below. It was praise the Lord from the heavens in verse 1, and now it's praise the Lord from the earth, verse 7. The earthly choir includes the sea monsters, the deep waters they inhabit, mountains, trees, animals, kings, queens, young and old, women and men. Nothing is excluded from this earthly realm. Nothing. Look at the text. All hills, all cedars, all nations, all rulers, all, all, all. Everything that is, praise the Lord. In Psalms 96 and 98, you might recall, the psalmist calls the whole world to praise God. Here, that call is extended to the entire universe, to the realm of all created beings. Not too long ago, I had the privilege of visiting Australia for the first time. I was there for a missions conference, and uh, during, during the, the couple of weeks that I was there, I got to visit an aquarium or sea life center, huge place. And there was a, a glass tunnel that you could walk through in one of these huge tanks, and, and, and so you were surrounded by the, the fish and eels and stuff swimming, and you could see all of these incredible creatures. Now, I'm not a very adventurous person. I've, I'm sure I had nightmares of scuba diving with sharks when I was a kid, or probably still do. But in this tank, as these fairly large sharks swam over my head... And these huge stingrays gracefully flew through the water. Every time they swam over the tunnel, you could see their bellies, or I'm not a zoologist, I don't know, whatever you call the side of the the shark or the stingray. When you picture a shark, and I suppose I'm dating myself here, I think of jaws, you know, and the, the fin thingy that comes out of the back. You don't picture the belly. From below, when they're going over you, it looks like they're smiling. Seriously. And the stingrays, it's the same. The joyous expression of a shark. And this psalm came to mind, I must say, as I was in this glass tunnel. You sea monsters, praise the Lord. Smiling sharks and stingrays, praise the Lord. And why should they smile? Because his name alone is exalted, we're told in verse 13. And his splendor is above both heaven and earth. Only the total, total praise of both realms can respond to God's exalted name. All creatures of our God and King Lift up your voice and with us sing 
Alleluia, alleluia. All of creation is called to sing in grateful praise to God because he not only created, but he orders everything according to his goodwill. Now there's a humbling twist to this psalm. If you were paying attention, we human beings only show up 11 verses into it out of 14. So that's, that's not very good. We tend to think more highly of, of ourselves. We tend to think also of creation as kind of what's out there. The endangered animals, uh, the sinking islands of the Pacific, the weird weather patterns um, that we've been seeing because of global warming. We tend to think of those things as creation. But here, the psalmist reminds us of our place. We are creatures just the same. In verses 11 and 12, the command given to us to praise the Lord is no different than the one given to the cedars, the sun, the moon, and the sea monsters. We are to take our place as creatures in God's creation. So how do the sun and moon and sea monsters respond to this call? We get a hint in verse 8. They do God's bidding. God creates them and sustains them. So the lightning answers the call to praise God by flashing across the sky, by being lightning. The stormy winds fulfill their purpose by being stormy, even if they take away the tent. All creatures praise God in their very being by being the sharpness of the shark praises God and by filling their assigned places. What about God's people? Where is Israel in this order? Verse 14. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. To those who are near him, their place in God's order is the voice of praise. If the storm responds to God's call to praise by being stormy, we are to respond to God's call by voicing and living out that praise. The horn is a symbol of honor. It's meant to proclaim. The people of God are given the praise with which to voice the unspoken praise of all creation. In the praise of the people of the Lord, the name that is truth about the entire universe is spoken on behalf of all creation. I said earlier that the psalm echoes God's creation in Genesis 1 and 2. Within the liturgy, within a worship service, it's almost as if this psalm comes after the reading of Scripture, of Genesis 1 and 2. Just as we've heard about our order in God's creation in the psalm, this is mirrored in the order of Genesis how, and how we see ourselves in God's order is fundamental to how we learn to respond in obedience and with gratitude to God's call. Now, the biblical writers give exquisite attention to creation 
to the care of the land, to the fertile land flowing with milk and honey. You can't read a book of the Bible without noticing how it, it talks about the good and the bad of the land and of God's creation. They also narrate powerfully the destruction and abuse of creation and the consequences of mistreating what God has created as good. The year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord, as Jesus echoes the prophet in Luke's gospel, is about all of creation, not just humans, all things being made new in Christ, all things being brought under Christ's rule and reoriented towards the praise of the Lord. These are all tied to how God forms and shapes a people who will announce to the world God's reign of justice. We are called to bear that witness, to bear witness to this creator, to praise him and to live thankful lives as a response to his sustaining care. When you think about Genesis 1 and 2, it actually doesn't tell us a whole lot about God when you think of it. We know God's spirit hovered over the waters. We know a formless, whatever. We know from John's prologue that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. We know that God is creator, but not really much else except for one thing. And God saw that it was good. God is the first admirer of his creation. God sees how beautiful it is. There's a deep lesson for us in this. How we see the world, how we see creation, is how we learn to value it. Do you see the world as God sees it? Do you see it as beautiful? It's easy to see the beauty here in the lakes. But what about those forgotten, despised, or discarded places and people? Do you see their beauty? Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed, and trees bearing fruit. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Genesis 1, 11 to 13. If God created the banana tree, if God created the banana and even the banana peel, I'm a good Brazilian. And even the banana peel, and God said that it is good. It is beautiful. Who are we to consider it rubbish? If God created this amazing universe and saw that it is good, created human beings in God's image and saw that they are good, who do we think we are? to rubbish God's good creation. The psalm tells us, no, the only right response 
to God's creating and sustaining power is praise. Genesis 1 and 2 also tell us about our place in the order of creation, about the web of relationships into which we are born. We're placed into an order, and if we fail to see that order, we will fail at being the mouthpiece, the horn of praise to God that Psalm 148 calls us to be. This psalm is a political psalm. By declaring praise the Lord, we are saying this God, not some other ruler, not some other authority who pretends to claim that we should follow them. No, praise the Lord, not Nebuchadnezzar. Praise the Lord, not Pharaoh or the politics of the day. Praise the Lord from the heavens and the earth. Praise the Lord, all you rulers. God is not contained by one nation or one church. Praise is a radical act that announces the good news of the gospel. It is a missionary act that shows to whom we pledge our allegiance. Yes, sin is real. But we are not called to live lives defined by the narrative of the fall, even though we fail. We are resurrection people. We know how the story ends, people. And we're called to live into that fullness of life promised to us by Christ. How could such fullness of life not include all of God's creation? All that is being redeemed and made new by Jesus himself. Ours isn't a small God that saves a few souls. As this psalm rightly proclaims, ours is the God of the universe, of all the universes, however many there might be. Our God is the creator who doesn't just leave his creation to groan under the weight of sin, but who loves creation so much that he sent his son to redeem and to make all things new. The God who sustains all of creation is also the God that sends his spirit to inspire and give life to God's people. I was reminded by Paul Mallard um, that Philippians would have been a good option for a study on the theme of grateful. I think he's right. But Philippians isn't so far away from this grand vision of praise that we have in Psalm 148. One of my favorite texts, the Apostle Paul says, For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to work and to will for his good purpose. Philippians 2.13. Imagine that. The God that created all those creatures that are painted on this canvas. The God that came in Christ. The God that inspired the prophets and the apostles and the early church. That God, Paul tells us, is at work in you. That God is at work in you, enabling you to work and to will for his good pleasure. That is the right order of things. That is the, our right place in God's creation. In Philippians and elsewhere in his letters, Paul says, how do you do this? You do it in the small things. 
How do you praise God? Speak well of one another. Don't gossip. Share your food. Be near to the brokenhearted. Pray for one another. Show hospitality both to your neighbor and to your stranger. Sometimes it's harder to love your neighbor than it is to love a stranger. In these seemingly small things, you will shine like stars, he says in that chapter of Philippians. Hearing, becoming, serving. That's what we're about here at Keswick, right? That's the strap line. Hearing, becoming, serving. Hear the word of God that gives light and life. You can't skim through the Psalms. They are powerful poetry, and poetry slows you down. You might think you don't like it, but try it. Read through these Psalms. You can't rush through them the way you might browse a menu or the list of films on Netflix. You can't skim this. And anything, I think, in our world today that slows us down is to be valued. This psalm is a gift from God and a command, a calling to show our praise and gratitude to him. This is God's world, not ours. God is its creator, its savior, and the one who sustains us. God has us in his hand, and our task is to learn our place. Like I said before, yes, sin is real. We do have the fall. But there's a last lesson for us in this psalm of praise, and it gets back to the fall, to Genesis 3. When Eve speaks to the serpent, it's a fascinating text. It's a conversation about the garden without the gardener. It's the first conversation in the Bible between creatures without the creator present. What is the temptation? To disrupt the order in which we had been placed. All creatures of our God and King have been created and placed in an order to proclaim God's praise. Adam and Eve didn't like that place. They wanted to be like God. That was the serpent's temptation. So they mess up big time. Then they mess up again and try to fix the problem on their own terms. They sow fig leaves for clothing. What does God do in Genesis 3? First, he calls to them. Hello, where are you? I've been looking for you. He speaks to them. You know the story. There are consequences to their sin, and they suffer these consequences. But then, that's not where the story ends. What does God do? God sews new clothes for them and sets them on the path of reorientation towards their proper order in God's creation. He's not going to abandon them to their sin. They are not doomed forever, and their sin is not more powerful than God's love and creative redemption. Now, the good news is that God is still in the business of sewing new garments for us and has done so in Christ Jesus. All of creation praise the Lord. The creator 
God of all that is, is the same God who formed you and knew you when you were in your mother's womb. This amazing Lord is that intimate with his creation. Our fitting response in our proper place in God's ordering of creation is to proclaim his praises. Through our proclamation, even in small things, the world will know who is the one true God. Praise and be grateful because God is still in the business of making new garments. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, with all creation, we praise your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. In the heavens and above the heavens, in the earth and in the seas. Empower your people to see the beauty of your creation and to proclaim your praise in all the places to which you have sent us. Give us your eyes to see and to love your creation and make us instruments of justice and peace in a world that is desperate to know your love. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.